What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Right on, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mullen Haw Show. I'm 670 the score. Dan Weeders from the Chicago Tribune. He is at Hallis Hall, where it has been a very busy week of roster maneuvering, Dan. We heard from Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham this week, and we heard from Matt Eberflus after. There were some more alterations to the roster. In terms of the biggest headline oh, since we have last been on this podcast, what would you say that it is? Is it the addition of Nathan Peterman back on the active 53 because the Bears need a veteran backup, or is there another move or series of moves you think are more significant than that? Well, um, I think Tevin Jenkins' move to IR is as significant as anything because it's another symptom of what's happening with that offensive line. It's another symptom of what's happening to Tevin with uh, the move to IR with Ryan Poles saying that they would designate Tevin to return. He, he, he is mandated to miss the first four games of the season by league rules. The Bears' week five game is a short week game against the Carolina Panthers on a Thursday. So you don't see any real chance for Tevin Jenkins to uh, miss the first four games and then suddenly get back on the practice field for a short week of practice. So you're talking about a minimum of five games that your presumed starting left guard will now miss probably longer. So the, it, it adds up to the shuffle on the offensive line. It's been an in, uh, a day and a week of introductions at Hallis Hall, David. We've got a lot of new faces. Uh, Dan Feeney, Khalid Kareem, Quindell Johnson, Trent Taylor. There's a whole bunch of, of of new faces being added to a roster that was new to begin with. I think as of Thursday morning, 26 of the 53 players that are on the on, on the the 53 man roster arrived with the Bears since last season ended. So that tells you how much turnover is continues to go on and what Ryan Poles continues to do to this roster. I'm mildly surprised at that. I thought the number would be lower than it is. I thought maybe the continuity may carry over a little bit more, but I think this just reinforces the idea how really young uh, of a team this remains and how unproven they are. And also Ryan Poles is going to continue to look for uh, ways to upgrade in terms of talent. And I think no more could you see that in the two moves that they made in letting Terrell Lewis and A.J. Thomas go after spending training camp with the Bears at Hallis Hall, and then they are basically replaced by guys who haven't been in the system, haven't been in the program, and while we're not going to change our season opinion based on the 52nd or 53rd guys on a roster, that to me reflected just a a regime that's uh, hell-bent on upgrading. Yeah, well, look, and and the the championship-contending teams aren't, 
doing this level of turnover. They're not right. doing this level of uh, revolving door work at the front of their, their building. And so it is what it is. Um, Ryan Poles was asked directly on Wednesday about his progress in, in rebuilding this roster. And I, I believe he gave the numbers 75 to 80% of the way there. So it tells you the progress that he believes they've made. It tells you the progress he still wants to make going forward. And so now you're just trying to get this all put together in a way that makes you as competitive as possible. For September 10th against Green Bay Packers, obviously you have to have a bigger view than that for the entirety of the 2023 season and beyond. But but right now, uh, focus starts to shift, David, to that game against Green Bay because it is going to be, as we've talked about, a bright lights, big stage game that that is going to have uh, stakes and a magnitude to it that 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 really can be uh, tone setting for the entire season. A few housekeeping things before we get to some big picture things that Ryan Poles addressed. Wanted to get your impressions. Number one, just to, to, to finish off the thought, the two players I'm referring to are defensive end Khalid Kareem from the Colts and safety Quindell Johnson from the Rams. Uh, they are the additions, and Terrell Lewis and A.J. Uh, Thomas are the subtractions. Um, Dan, does that say much to you except for they're just looking for depth? And then uh, in addition to that, Trent Taylor – signed to be the punt returner, sight unseen. Uh, basically, he got the job before he, I, I think, uh, parked his car at Hallis Hall. <laughs> yeah, well, he does have background in history with special teams coordinator uh, Richard Hightower from their days together in San Francisco. Uh, Richard Hightower was with the 49ers when Taylor was drafted into the league in 2017. And so there is a history there. When Ryan Poles was asked about this on Wednesday afternoon, he essentially said it's the reliability and the consistency that Trent Taylor brings that made him a, a, an attractive pickup at this point of the summer. Uh, he said, you can, you know, when the other team is getting ready to, to, to punt us the football, you can go get a snack and go to the bathroom and feel good that, that your team's going to have the ball when you get back. And, and, and so look like, you know, we've been in this city when there's been a punt returner back there where you didn't want to leave your seat, where you wanted to stay there and you wanted to see the electric playmaking ability of Devin Hester right now, they're baby stepping toward progress. And one of those things is let's just make sure we have the football after they punt it to us. Obviously Bayless Jones couldn't give them that peace of mind. And so they went in a new direction. I thought it was interesting that he made a joke about that because obviously that everybody knew that the bears had made fourth down the punt return more suspenseful more suspenseful than necessary. And that was because of Bayless Jones lack of consistency. So th that's, that's a move in the right direction. Uh, I don't know about seven wide receivers on this roster, Dan. I don't know how long that will be the case. Do you think that they will maintain that going into week one? Look, it's a numbers game. You're always putting that piece uh, that puzzle together week by week, trying to figure out what you need. And it's usually uh, dictated by, by who can give you what on special teams as you, as you sift through the other positions, you know, they're all intertwined with who's healthy, who's not, and who can play what roles on special teams. Um, seven is a little beefier than you're used to, but it's not exorbitant. Um, and they could certainly afford to do that. If, if you make two of those guys inactive on game day and you have your other roles sort of accounted for, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, they certainly seem like they are, uh, intent on giving Valus Jones the kick return job and intent on giving him more opportunity to try to figure out what else he can do for this football team. And so uh, that's what he is going to be bringing to the roster at this point. Everything is fluid with the roster, but the addition, or I guess being reunited, Nathan Peterman probably didn't even leave Lake Forest, but he's back on the roster. And I think that there's a good chance based on the way Ryan Poles sounded uh, Matt Eberflus also probably talked about this, but Nathan Peterman probably will be 
QB2 heading into week one with Tyson Bajan uh, on the roster, but that emergency quarterback number three. It says to me, Dan, and maybe you have some clarity here, but they were more concerned with the team maybe poaching Bajan if he were left exposed than Peterman, who has been there already on the waiver wire and teams have passed him in the past. So I think that was probably a shrewd move with the expectation all along that he would return because, as you can tell us, uh, Justin Fields and Nathan Peterman have a, have a pretty good rapport and his presence is valued by QB1. Yeah, and in our next episode, David, we're going to get a chance to hear from from Justin directly on some of uh, what he values about about Nate in that role and 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 what they're looking at right now. I think you're correct to assume um, that while this is fluid, it sure seems to be pointing in a direction that Nathan Peterman will be your number two guy when you play the Packers at Soldier Field. Give Tyson Bajan a little bit longer runway to figure out what life in the NFL is all about before putting too much on his plate in that regard. And so, uh, look like they they had this this plan in the works. I don't know why they been so cryptic and just sharing it and saying yeah nate's gonna be our number two for next week and and on we march uh, because clearly they, they they've insinuated enough with what, what his value is to that room how he can be a resource to justin how he can help the defense uh prepare how he can do all the different things that come with being a backup quarterback in that league and so yeah he's he's back uh and and i think that they breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief knowing that they can take three uh, to week one, and and now they can kind of feel this out as they go. Um, and to your point, yeah, I think they were a little hesitant to to just uh, take the risk of putting Bajan on the waiver wire and then losing him and regretting it. And so uh, that's where we are. One of those uh, spots on the roster created when Doug Kramer, the center from Illinois, placed on IR. Tough break for somebody <laughs> who missed last season due to injury. Had a very strong camp, got injured again. Dan, he has to wait four games now, I think, to come off of uh, injured reserve. Yeah. Um, how big of a blow is that, or is that expected all along? No, I mean, look, like, I think it's expected because that's what precipitated the the move for Dan Feeney, as, as you just realized that Doug Kramer was beat up. Lucas Patrick's been in and out of the lineup all summer and spring and, and last year and everything else, and so you just needed to, to, to get a guy that could play guard or center for you, and that's why why Dan Feeney is here. And so, yeah, it's a, another setback for Doug Kramer who was hurt all of last year and uh, a tough break at the end of uh, a summer where he was starting to get some opportunity because of the injuries in front of him, but such is life in the NFL. And uh, you know, again, like the, the, it's a four game minimum absence, but the bears fifth game is a short week game against the Panthers. And so really for these guys, it's probably a five game absence at minimum. And then we'll see what they do when we get into the middle of October. Before we get to the Ryan Poles sound, wanted to get your thoughts on the Titans kind of collecting the Bears discards and Travis Gibson and Kendall Vildor, two guys who contributed to the Bears defense in 2022. But as you have pointed out pretty well, uh, this is part of the upgrading the talent level, ideally on the Bears roster. Both those guys are going to Tennessee to play for the Titans or at least get a chance. And uh, both of those guys probably uh, feel like they're, they have something to prove now. So Kevin Turks is at the the top of the the pro personnel department in Tennessee. He's one of the guys that helps them make those decisions. He was in House Hall for for a long time. Uh, I believe he was here when 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 Gibson and Vildor were drafted uh, during the COVID year in 2020. So there's some familiarity there that 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 allows those things to come together really quickly. I'm excited for Travis. Um, you know, we as promised earlier in the week asked. Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham, what was it that that didn't live up to your expectations or, or how come Travis couldn't meet the standard to, to keep a spot on the 53-man roster? And Ian sort of insinuated that they felt like 
Travis was just more productive in a three, four scheme. The irony to that is he came out of Tulsa where he played almost predominantly in a four, three defense as a defensive end, as opposed to a stand up outside linebacker in a three, four. And so when this new regime came in and went back to that four, three, the belief was, okay, this is going to put Travis right back in his wheelhouse, right back in his comfort zone. Obviously it didn't, it didn't turn out that way. And and now he's gone and he's starting a new in Tennessee, but I'm happy for him to get, get that opportunity. He'll be there with Kindle. They'll be able to, to, to lean on each other as they get acclimated at a new surroundings and, and off they go in Tennessee. I thought Josh Lucas, the former director of, of pro personnel, I believe, with the Bears under Ryan Pace, he was on 670 to score on Thursday, and he made an interesting point about Travis Gibson. He said he felt like he took a step backward in his career the more he played. When he came a, became a starter, he wondered if that was the best thing for his career because he was the type of player, and, and Josh would be in a position to know this, that the more he played, the less you got out of him, that he needed to be ideally a 15 to 25 snap guy who could play at a high level because of his conditioning and other things, maybe with his athletic traits. And I just wonder if if that is what his future will hold, whether it's with Tennessee or elsewhere. These guys often resurface and pass rushers can last a long time when they become specialists. And I wonder with Travis Gibson, if he's going to be another example of Less is more when it comes to snaps and production. Look, it's a good question. And you, you're uh, around long enough to remember Mark Anderson and what he did in yep. a situational role for the, the the last team that played for a Super Bowl for this organization. And so sometimes you just find a niche. And, and Travis Gibson was very fortunate to come into the league at a time where he got to share a room with Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn and learned a lot from those guys. And also when he got on the field, those guys were commanding quite a bit of attention, you know, to take away from him and open up some opportunities on the opposite side uh, to, 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 to do some damage and he did some damage and was able to to excel to a certain level we'll see what's what's in store for him in tennessee what their vision is for him there and and what it looks like going forward pj walker ends up on the browns practice squad so he remains Man. in the league he'll get another chance jacoby Brissett moved on in cleveland so they were looking for some veteran presence that behind deshaun watson maybe some security uh pj walker though is, is still in the league somehow yeah, well, I mean, look, like there's room for guys like that. He has starting experience. He has starting success. He has uh, veteran knowledge and insight that, that he can bring into a quarterback's room. It just didn't work out here in Chicago, and um, we can talk a little bit more about that in a couple minutes. But uh, obviously the Bears were were comfortable pulling the plug and, and going in the direction that they chose to go in. Um, and, and on again, another another guy out the door as more guys come in the door. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So let's talk about Ryan Poles. He addressed the media on Wednesday. It was his annual preseason 
kind of state of affairs, and he talked about the roster upgrades, what he has done, what he still needs to do. A couple of things that took uh, takeaways for me, Dan, I thought it was interesting that he leaned into uh, offering and unsolicited the fact that there was no trade conversation <laughs> about Darnell Mooney. Um, Travis Gibson never did approach him about requesting a deal. And I felt like as after Mark Grody asked um, whether the Nate Davis absence was related to injury, Ryan Poles left that pretty vague. And I think he answered it without answering it, which means that it was not necessarily injury related. It was more than that, which leads you to wonder about his attitude or commitment, which is going to be a moot point if he performs at a level that he's paid to perform. Um, and then the rest of it was, we'll get into what he had to say about Justin Fields, but I felt like Ryan Poles, without really trying to make, uh, he, he was transparent and he didn't seem like he had anything to hide. And if he didn't want to talk about something, he just didn't. So I think that was at least, uh, we learned a lot, but there's still some things that we wonder about. Well, <laughs> on the topic of things we wonder about, I heard our guy Brad Biggs on with you and Molly on Thursday morning talking about the three great mysteries in Chicago sports. One being what the heck happened to Tevin Jenkins, two being what the heck's going on with Nate Davis, and three being what was the deal out at the, the White Sox game last Friday and, and, and how someone snuck a gun in their belly fat and shot themselves in the leg. So those are three great mysteries that allegedly. we have. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, we don't we do not have enough time to go into each one of those mysteries. But as it relates to the Bears, like a month ago, we were talking about two starting guards in Jenkins and Davis being guys that you could could lean on and rely on, move Cody back to center, have this interior of an offensive line that would keep Justin safe and comfortable and confident inside the pocket. And now you take two starters, one now on injured reserve with a, uh, a mysterious leg injury that we still have no idea when it happened, how it happened or what exactly happened. And the other guy in Nate Davis, who we presume will play against the Packers in a week and a half, but is dealing with, quote, some other stuff and has been dealing with, quote, some other stuff. And so um, these layers of mystery are, are bizarre, uh, you know, at a minimum and, and concerning at, at a maximum because they, they, they leave you vulnerable uh, at a spot on your offense where you do not want to be vulnerable. And now you've got to compensate and, and move ahead, uh, understanding that those mysteries may not really be solved in the way you want them to be solved. Do you know, is Robert Stack around to give us a, an Unsolved Mysteries episode for this? I would like to know what Robert Stack would have to be able to find out about Tevin Jenkins' calves, <laughs> because how he goes from practicing against the Colts and feeling good about that to walking around with walking boots and limping and being out for up to six weeks is, is one of those mysteries we'll have to wait and see as it pertains to how Ryan Poles feels about Justin Fields. I think there's still some questions about that. I don't want to call it a full fledged mystery, yeah. but let's just say this. And this is the way I termed it when we talked to Brad Biggs and the way I felt like it, it, it came across to me there will be many people in town that exaggerate the potential and, and what Justin Fields is going to accomplish in year three as a starter. I hope they're all right. We all Our lives would be easier if, if, if they were. But one of those people that's not going to exa exaggerate Justin Fields' potential is his general manager. I did not hear that from Ryan Poles. I heard somebody pretty grounded in the expectations and pretty realistic about 
who Justin Fields is and what he isn't. Yeah, so we'll hear from him directly in a second. But one thing that happens out on the beat here is you're kind of monitoring the day-to-day affairs, and then oftentimes you're working ahead. Our guy Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times was working so far ahead that he wanted to get ready for the will Justin get a contract extension in 2024 story. And and as Ryan was talking about the state of the team on present day, on August 30th, 2023, he was asked, you know, what are you going to need to see uh, to give Justin an extension at some point. And, and so this is, was that exchange on Wednesday afternoon. Kind of surprised me with that question. We had to fast forward, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I'll just, again, generically say progress. I, I can't tell you how many boxes need to be checked. Uh, I always think, you know, your gut instinct is always going to be a part of decision-making as well. So all of the above, I mean, you're looking for, progress and to feel good about it and also to you know watch the tape and get a feel for you know a guy if he can take you to that next level (laughs) i understand the question somewhat premature but i I, you're right i I guess we all work ahead at our own pace but no i do i i i think it's valid in this regard because it helps us get an idea of some of the bullet points that are on uh, Ryan Poles' evaluation checklist. And, and you know, he went on to say, look, like, I want to see the sack total come down. I want to see the interception total come down. He was asked to follow up and said, I want to see him win more games. Right. And so, so there are some very specific things that he's laying out for you that now we can kind of hold up as, okay, these were the benchmarks you laid out in August. Here we are in mid-January. What's the state of affairs? You know, and hopefully, uh, to his point, uh, the gut instinct will take over and, and hopefully the gut instinct will be pretty easy to, to to rely on because it will be undeniable one way or the other. And as Patrick probably is thinking too in working on this at this point, we're looking at the quarterback market across the league. Teams have to prepare for these massive investments because oh, yeah. of what it means to the franchise and what it says about what else you're going to be able to afford. So it was a valid question at the right time. And it might've caught Ryan pulls off guard, but really he shouldn't have been because my sense is they have already had these conversations internally as well, because you have to at this stage. But here's the other part of that conversation. And I've had this conversation with both people inside the league and, and people who cover the league about, this idea that the worst case scenario for the bears is if, if the bottom falls out on Justin Fields at some point during the season, the counter argument is the worst case scenario is that, uh, he, he plays well enough to convince you to keep giving him more time, but not well enough to uh, make you confident that he's the long-term answer. And so that's that's the dangerous middle ground that they could wind up in. I, I, given what the Bears have and the resources and and the way they've set themselves up, if, if, if he bombs, okay, fine. You flip the page and you go, we have draft capital. We have you know money to spend. We can do a lot of different things to, to help us reboot. That's not ideal, but the worst case scenario would be what you did with Jay Cutler after 2013, which is convince yourself to give him, uh, you know, a seven-year extension. And then, you know, a couple years later uh, with a new regime in town, you're like, well, this didn't quite work out. And you're, you're cutting him loose and you wasted a few years of everyone's time. It's the Daniel Jones model because that's what he did in, with the Giants. He basically was on a prove-it final year of his deal. He They, they would have loved to have committed to him sooner. But last year, he kind of responded to that urgency with a playoff run. And so he got the big money. He just waited an extra year to get paid. I think that was after his fourth season. So that would put him on the same timetable. Justin Fields, theoretically, under your scenario, would be next year. So I guess that's one way to look at it. Well, and they'll have to make the decision on on Justin's fifth-year extension after year three, which will come next spring, uh, late winter next spring. And and so that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And and Ryan knows that eyes are going to be trained on that all season long, and his eyes will be the most important eyes 
watching the whole thing unfold. His eyes were also evaluated. P.J. Walker, who we mm-hmm. talked about, ended up in Cleveland after getting cut in Chicago. He was supposed to be the guy backing up Justin Fields, providing the insurance that uh, he got $2 million guaranteed to do. He stunk in training camp, did not flash in games, and now he's a Cleveland Brown. So Mark Potash, our other buddy from the Sun-Times, asked Ryan Poles about the backup quarterback evaluation and, and what that taught him about the process. Year to year thing. Um, you evaluate, you try to put guys in, in a good position to be successful and kind of carry over and, and, and go to the, the next step from what you saw on tape. Um, sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, and also, you know, we talk about not putting a ceiling on players. Uh, Tyson comes in and, and takes it one day at a time and shows consistency. And at the end of the day, you know, you got to make decisions that are best for the for the football team. It's not about me and what my decision was. And when it plays out, it plays out, and that's what it is. You know, I've, I've always felt, and I've actually had conversations with some of my old teammates that, you know, played in the league for a long time, and they, they feel when you kind of fudge stuff, right? Like if you're off and, and you don't make the right change and everyone kind of sees what is going on on the field, they feel that. So we had to make the best decision that was for us, and that's what we did. Do you, do you consider those episodes kind of learning experiences for you as a GM? Oh, shoot. Everything's a learning experience. Are you kidding me? Like the different uh, players, the different circumstances, uh, where they come from, the process to get them onboarded. Um, yeah, there's a learning lesson in every success and failure. It's there's I learn something new every day. Two years into this, though, how much have you learned about being willing to cut ties when something isn't working out instead of trying to give it more time, hoping that it will yield a fit? Yeah. And be able to, like, with, even with the financial penalty, like Leatherwood and PJ. Yeah, it's a delicate balance, for sure. Um, you know, there's some... some uh, commitments that you do have to give it the full like the full time frame to to make it work because i've seen guys struggle early and then something clicks or you know if it's uh, the way they're learning or if it's a resource in the building whatever it is i've seen it elevate off of that um but you got to have a good feel for when you kind of reach that limit and all right i got to move on take it and, and and move on you just hurt the team if you go too long so um, I think you just kind of have to own and put your ego aside. And- Good answer. Yeah, and an admission there that they didn't feel like that click was going to come, no matter how much they tried to tinker with things or get a screwdriver out or a wrench or turn this button or whatever else. It just wasn't going to happen with P.J. Walker. I think Ryan has shown a, a very – I guess, refreshing level of, of both confidence and humility with the way he goes about his business and particularly decisions like this. And and so, you know, we're learning about him. You know, he says it's a learning experience, everything he does. We're learning about him with every move he makes, everyone he hits on, everyone he misses on. Um, credit to him for, for having the conviction to say, hey, let's just let's just flip the page on this and, and not uh, force it in a situation where everyone is going to be realizing that we're forcing it. And all of a sudden you just set yourself back further than you wanted to. Yeah. I asked a question rhetorically the other day about what the difference was between making those kind of decisions uh, um, without worried about the money with, with Leatherwood and PJ Walker, which I think are similar types of examples and the difference between say Travis Gibson and Kendall Valdor. I, I, the more I think about it, the the more I I understand it though, those were, you know, with with Leatherwood and PJ Walker, they were definitely off with the football part of the evaluation, and that's what he's willing to own. Whereas maybe with Travis Gibson, maybe they could have force fit or justified keeping him from a football perspective, but the cost 
the, the, the cost was maybe prohibitive and there, there were finances that factored into that. Whereas I, I, I think they are different situations. They're different criteria you use because keeping Leatherwood and PJ Walker just for the sake of that you paid them right. would not have been consistent with the way you overall want to build your roster. No doubt. Um, you know, and again, like it just it goes on your loss column and then you have to find a way to turn things into a win. The Bears are um, fortunate in a lot of ways. And Tyson Bajan was fortunate in a lot of ways uh, that these two things coincided. You know, the struggles of P.J. Walker coincided with an undrafted rookie from Division two coming in and showing a level of command and comfort and belonging that that allowed him to turn the heads of his coaches and his front office in a way that said, OK, maybe there is a new decision we can go in in this regard. The worst thing that would have happened is if, if if Tyson Bajan was no good either. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh God, you know, now we're running into the regular season and we really don't believe in much that we have in that room. And so, um, look, but you know, those two storylines will always be intertwined into, as it relates to the summer of 2023. And now there's a new chapter ahead for Tyson Bajan as we go forward. And uh, Ryan also had a chance on, on uh, Wednesday to talk about Tyson and then Tyson met with us after that and, and talked to us a little bit about his journey and, and kind of the uh, just, just how, how, how unusual it's been for him, but also how comfortable it's been at the same time. Here's some of what Tyson Bajan had to say on Wednesday afternoon. It always made sense to me. So I kind of already felt that I, you know, could show everybody that I did belong. Um, and it was actually cool. I just, you know, watching old hard knocks videos and, um, you know, I was watching some video about NBA players making the team and they talk about like, you know, what the statistics are for people that actually make it, but they don't take into account, you know, hey, what if this guy wakes up early and goes and works hard every day? You know, what if this guy is, you know, over six foot? You know, what if this guy runs at this speed or can't anticipate this or has a high IQ? Has a high IQ? So you take all those things and you kind of put them in a pot. Um, and I felt I had a lot of those attributes in that pot. So I just knew that it was just going to be the discipline I'd be able to bring to the table every day that was going to help me get to that point um you know and i really love football i feel like i can use it as an avenue to motivate you know my family and you know other small school guys um so i would say it always kind of it always pretty much made sense that i would do it um and i always felt like i could show everybody that i do belong which hard knocks i was watching um so i was with my friend and he didn't know how cuts worked so I was, um, I was like, all right, perfect. We could pull this up right now. So <laughs> I pulled up the Browns, the Browns hard knocks, and I forget the guy's name, but he was undrafted uh, free agent quarterback too. Last preseason, preseason game, throws a touchdown. The next day, bring him in, and they, you know, kind of document the whole thing. And you know, he, his jaw dropped, and I was just like, yeah, I, I could, you know, that's kind of how it works. You got to kind of put your ego aside and just, you know, work hard every day. So there you go. HBO coming through with a tutorial for, for Tyson Bajan's buddy on how the cuts process works. Easy guy to like. I am a proud member of the Bajancy. I don't care <laughs> if he's two QB2 or QB3. The fact that he made an NFL roster and the last pass he threw in a competitive game was at a Division II level, to me, makes this one of the greatest stories of training camp for the Bears. And he doesn't have to play it down this year for that to be the, the true all season long. 
You and I have both lived through multiple seasons where the Bears have started three different quarterbacks at some point or another. And so the odds are uh, strong, probably to quite strong uh, that Tyson Bajan will be on the field for a regular season game at some point this year. And and his story will be renewed whenever that that time uh, may come. But but certainly it's been fun getting to know him over the last yep. month and, and listening to him talk. Very comfortable, very humble, very confident. Uh, and, and you heard it in that first answer. He just like the self-confidence is it's it's like so calm but it's so real. And, and that's the moxie that the people inside the building keep referring to because it, it just it, it exudes an aura that people want to be around. And maybe Dan Feeney will be the guy snapping him the ball. <laughs> if he does get in the game, he's the other guy that came to the bears coming back home uh, product of Sandberg high school. Uh, somebody who is well-traveled uh, played for the chargers. we got some starts in four seasons, went to the jets signed by the dolphins. And now, the Bears give up a sixth-round draft pick this week for Dan Feeney, who can play left guard, he can play center, and he has played right guard. Dan, you were in the room when Cole Komet talked about the fact he knows a guy, another local guy, another guy from the area. The Bears are loading up on on local Bears fans and kids who grew up kind of cheering for them. Yeah. Uh, funny moment at Hallis Hall the other day, though. Yeah, so a couple things on this. First of all, Matt Eberflus said that they can field the basketball team now of guys that played local high school ball here that are now part of the 53-man roster, and Dan Feeney is now part of that group. Maybe he can play center for the basketball team as well as the offensive <laughs> line. Uh, you look like Dan Feeney's a guy who has starting experience in this league. He's been around a while. The Bears feel very strongly about his position, versatility, the ability to play both center and guard. And they, they understand that there's a known quantity when you take a guy who's got a lot of NFL film already out there. You're not playing the guessing game. So keep an eye on this in week one as they start to put together an offensive line for the Packers game. Justin Jones, one of those guys that played with Dan Feeney with the chargers, he was asked about, you know, Oh, Hey, give us a, a little bit uh, of your scouting report on Dan Feeney. And the one thing he said was he loves football and he loves beer. Cool. Great scouting report. Chicago is going to wrap their arms around that. Cole Komet was next in and he was asked about Dan Feeney. Here was the exchange that we had with Cole after Justin Jones talked. Yeah. I, Dan, Dan's a good dude. I actually met Dan at a golf event uh, a couple years ago. Um, on the golf course and he was a good time. So I know he'll be a good addition to the locker room. So uh, looking forward to it. And obviously to have another local product is always a lot of fun. Justin Jones says he loves football. That Feeney loves football and loves beer. You can confirm that. I, I can, I can uh, confirm the latter for sure. <laughs> confirm the latter. <laughs> So it sounds like that time on the golf course, David, was was pretty good. We're going to have to to get a little bit more details on that at some point. That's funny. Uh, Cole Komet's very good. He's gotten to be uh, – I guess he always has been since he came into the league very good behind the microphone. I heard him critiquing Justin Steele earlier this week as well for the Cubs because he's a baseball guy. But We um, should talk about Cole more on this podcast. I don't feel like we ever – I don't think we do. Yeah, I think he's one of those guys that gets a little neglected. I don't know why you have it out for him, but I just – I think we also need more Tyson Bay agent updates that'll be both two priorities uh moving well, we're about to go into regular season mode and we, we always have those little segments that yeah. we have, you know the sound effects we're going to get back to pew, opening drive the pew, the tyson bajan report pew, pew, dan beanie's dan feeney's beer i can't wait for those quality. sound effects to return <laughs> uh what else did we overlook before we move on and and get out of here what uh what yeah, other, two pieces else? of news for you from lake forest today number one matt uh Eberflus referred to jaquan brisker as wait and see oh. in terms of his ability for week one uh oh. and trying to get back out there but that was certainly uh the least optimistic report from inside the building on whether he would be ready for the season opener remember a year ago uh 
Jaquan Brisker had had thumb surgery in August and and fought his way back to be on the field for the opener. So you know the toughness and the drive and the want to is there with him. We'll see where that goes next week. The Bears also named their four captains for the season. Offensively, Justin Fields, no surprise. His buddy, DJ Moore. On defense, it's Tremaine Edmonds and Eddie Jackson. So you have your four uh, team captains, as we saw last year, due to trades and injuries. There ended up being like nine team captains by the time we got to December. But those are those are your four, and you hope that they're able to take that leadership role from now through the end of the season. Did DJ Moore replace Cody Whitehair? Was Cody Whitehair a captain last year? For most, he certainly was at some point. Yeah. I don't remember who started the year as captain. He's been here a long time. <laughs> he yeah. didn't. What's interesting about DJ and Matty Berflus was asked about this is he, he's more of the soft spoken guy. You know, not not necessarily a rah rah guy like like a Tremaine Edmonds, like an Eddie Jackson, like a Justin Fields. So that's a, a selection that his teammates made. And Eberflus said, "Look, like the dude works and he makes plays. You know, and and guys respect that. And and when 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 your work ethic translates into production all of a sudden uh you you get that leadership role without anyone uh shrugging or 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 thinking twice about it good stuff that is a good update on the bears this week we are going to have a special episode dropping friday morning with your interview which will be in chicagotribune.com with justin fields qb1 dan weeder sit down one-on-one and we will share it with you here on the take the north podcast dan just a sneak preview Look, it's I love, uh, you know it's fun talking to Justin, and we'll we'll hear everything uh, through his lens and in his in his words on Friday. Um, but I, I think there's a quarterback here that has a lot of optimism of of the growth he's made, a lot of optimism about the pieces he has around him, a lot of optimism about the mindset of this football team, and is ready as we are here on Take the North to get to the regular season and start to actually uh, actually play this thing out instead of talking about it. So uh, yeah, good to hear from Justin, and 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 we'll have all that for you on Friday. One day closer to week one against the Packers, September 10th. We will have all of it right here in terms of the buildup and the reaction. Take the North podcast you can find on your free Odyssey app. You can watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page. We will be back Friday morning with another episode, the Justin Fields interview with Dan Weeder. For Dan Weeder and our producer, Adam Sudzinski, I'm David Hall from 670 Scores, Mullane Haw Show. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening and watching the Take the North podcast. Great talk. See you out there.